So welcome back to Slant and Go. I just want to point out that Cleveland has infinitely more wins than last year. That's and infinitely more ties than last that's, year. That's an extreme, <laughs> extreme number you're throwing out. Infinitely? It's, it's true. Man, it's crazy. Divide by zero. Anyway. Uh, I, I also want to say, I mean, is Brian our first return guest, uh, guest co-host on the Slant and Go? Have we had? Paul doesn't count, right? Not at all. Right. Not even a little. No. <laughs> was Craig only on once or was he on twice? I think he was, yeah. That was like three. Well, thank years. you. Welcome back, Brian. Good yeah. to have you. Thank sure. you. Thank you. I, I feel very honored now. <laughs> you, you, we take the gloves off this time. We were nice to you last time. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, welcome back to Slant Go, everyone. We've got the esteemed, uh, most loyal Browns fan on the, on the planet that we could mm-hmm. find. That we also know, uh, Mr. Brian Schmoltz joining us, oh, yeah. and uh, hello, we're ready hello. to we're ready to dive into uh, all things Browns. Let's uh, let's 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 kick it off. You got that win? What did it take? You know, like 300, 330 days, three hundred, six hundred days. What was it? Six hundred and some odd days. It was a long time. Wow, man, <clears throat> man. So it was it was rough. Not gonna lie. Tell us about that. Tell us about that game, man. Like you're going through it. You're watching Tyrod. I mean, Tyrod was getting he was getting beat up that game, right? Like Tyrod. He was. Excuse me. Excuse me. It's Tyrod. Thanks for. (laughs) I was before I say it 800 more times. Uh uh, Tyrod was getting thrown around a bit that game, and um, at any point, like, what was it? Did you feel like he was playing fine and then got beat up and was like, okay, they got to get him out of there, or did you feel like he was like? kind of maybe feeling the pressure and, and started kind of maybe maybe pressing a little bit and, and that led to maybe some of the injuries? Um, I thought he was actually playing pretty well. The offense looked pretty good. Uh, you know, the defense has played pretty strong through the first, True. at that point, two and a half games. So yeah. I didn't think he did anything wrong. He He's not a guy that's going to go out and take a lot of chances. He's more of a, you know, he likes to throw some shorter balls. When he has yeah. to run, he'll run it. Um, I thought he played pretty well. So yeah. I didn't think he was doing anything to, to make you want to take him out and then put Baker in at that point of, of the game. Um, yeah. You know, the, the hit he took, um, he took a, a couple hits and then that last, like, knock to the head that kind of took him out of the game. Um, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, but from talking to my brother who was at the game, he said in the last <clears throat> six or seven years that he's been at a Browns game, he's never heard the stadium that electric for when Baker yeah, joined the came into the game. It was like it was like if the Browns had had a playoff game, it's like that. Yeah, that was like the feeling of the stadium. Just everybody was ready for this guy to to come in yeah. and lead this team. And uh, I mean, man, he came in. He played exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, I think it helped a little bit that, you know, the Jets didn't have a lot of tape on him. So there wasn't a whole lot they could prepare for. But, yep. you know, he, he held his poise and he came in, made some excellent throws. Um, you know, we leaned on the defense a little bit in the run game yep. and came out of there with a W, man. Like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Freaking wild, <laughs> monkey, right? Monkey off your back. Uh, <laughs> finally. Finally. Yeah, I- I, I was really interested to see not just – it did look like he was going to come in uh, as Ty, as Tarad got uh, thrown around more and more during the game. I think mm-hmm. especially there was a um, 
uh, sort of like he got spun around and sort of like, you know, he was thrown to the ground, but it was illegal, uh, a legal play um, after mm -hmm. the throw. And just the way he kind of like was stunned a little bit and then got up. I mean, he just looked dazed. And I was like, right. for this guy's safety, he might have to go get checked out, you know. Um, yeah. Sure enough, he got his bell rung, you know, a couple times that game. Anyway, um, I, I totally agree with uh, what you said about Baker coming in. And I'm sure that that feeling with the crowd was electric and was – there's a certain buzz. You know, I've, I've felt it before as well. Um, and it's, it's really tangible and it's this really interesting thing in, in all of sports really. But for Baker to, to bounce back, I mean, he had an early fumble. You know, like let's, let's not uh, – you know, let's not, let's not look past it. He had an early fumble and it would have been easy for him to just continue to try and like make up for it, right? But instead, he really seemed like he just shook it off and was like, nope, just going to keep slinging it. And, um, you know, it's interesting how even as mobile as, as, uh, as Tarad is, the line didn't seem like they were able to protect him that much in the beginning. And right. he was getting hit and he's getting banged up. And then Baker comes in, even with the fumble, he connects on a couple throws and all of a sudden right. that line is protecting a lot better. And mm -hmm. I don't think he got – he might have – got hit or maybe a sack or so after the fumble throughout the course right. of the game. But the line really picked it up after that. And it's just amazing how one guy coming in just picks up the juice. I, I would agree. Uh, it was, he also made some good throws. And, I mean, that big throw to Jarvis Landry down the middle the, on, yeah. the, like, the two-yard line. Yeah. I mean, that catch he made that just lit up the crowd at that point and, and really, I think, got the team like, oh, man, that's a heck of a play. Let's go. Um, and for Jarvis to come back and make that catch after the first pass, Baker threw him, and it hit him in the chest because he wasn't ready for it. Right. Like it, it came so fast that it went through his hands, yeah. hit him in the chest, and yeah. it was like an easy play over the middle. So, you yeah. know, seeing, seeing Jarvis come back, seeing um, them work the tight ends a little bit, right. um, and, and Baker just having that poise. It, it, he seems like he's got that poise to not let little things rattle him, and, um, you know, he's going to – if he makes a mistake, he's going to move on to the next play and, like, you know, let's yeah. get the ball back. And when we do, we're going to try to march down and score. So it right. seems like he's got that mentality of, of you know, of, of a true winner that is like, look, I'm not going to dwell on the past and I'm going to do everything I can to, to get this team a win. Yeah. I mean, call it what you will, the gunslinger mentality, the cockiness, bravado, whatever it is, it's just flat-out confidence. And despite right. what I – what I, you know, my feelings have been about Baker coming into the draft and, and anything like that, like, there's never been a shortage of confidence with him. And I'd, I've always said it. I've been on record saying it. Yeah, give, me a, give me a cocky quarterback. Give me one that's confident. <clears throat> that's like, oh, give me the ball last. Watch. Watch what happens. I'm going to win. And I think Baker's got that mentality. I still want to see – um, a little bit more of expansion of the types of throws that he makes. But for now, I mean, everything he's doing, it's it's working well enough. Um, he's moving the ball. The offense has life. Like, I think it's 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 a fun time right now for Browns fans, which, come on. Yeah, one of, those th one of the things that the confidence does for a quarterback is that when things don't go well, they're, a lot those guys are able to shake it off and just, like, focus on the next play and not kind of get down and get rattled and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So this week – the Browns didn't win, but they, by all rights, should have. Yep. You know, 42 to whatever it was. 45-42. Um, was a, Yeah, it was the final score. But like a minute 39 left, and you're up by eight or something, right? And Yeah, right. Um, and if it weren't for – if the, I just went back and watched the game today, so it's fresh in my mind. But, I, I mean, the thing you got to feel good about, Brian, I think, is that you, you still scored 42 points. <laughs> you were like – It's true. It's true. 
faithfully in control of that game until the very end. So it's what a difference. From yeah. Year. I mean, your, your team is competitive. Yeah. I mean, I think this, the roster that uh, they put together this year compared to last year and the year before, you know, they're building off some of the rookies they've gotten in the, over the last couple of years, miles Garrett being healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those, some of those guys that they got David and Joku, the tight end, like they're building off of those pieces. And then they went out and got veterans to help them along. And, they got a lot of playmakers. The defense has looked better at times. You know, they, they really carried them a lot in the first three games and then, you know, not as much last game by giving up 45. But they've held them in games and they've made plays when they've needed to, like, you know, the big interception to seal the game against the Jets. Um, they're producing a lot of turnovers on defense. And then if you look on the offensive side, I mean, they have a lot of the weapons. And even when Tyrod is playing quarterback, it's like, the weapons are around him. We just need to get into a rhythm and be able to get those guys. And now that it's Baker's team that he's taking over, the nice thing is it doesn't seem like the playbook will change too much. You know, they're running a lot of the same plays, a lot of the same formations. Baker and Tyrod play a similar style, so hopefully it won't be too much for the line to adjust and, and protect him. Um, and, I mean, the offensive line was shaken up right before the season, so – um, I mean, right between game four of the preseason and, and the opener, they kind of shuffle things around. And, um, you know, they got to get better on the old line, um, protecting him, less hits to the quarterback. I mean, that's been our detriment in the past. But I think they're, they're definitely moving in the right direction. And they got playmakers and they got guys that are, are fun to watch. And, yeah. I mean, you think putting up 42 points, you'd win the game, but. <laughs> Unfortunately, There's not. There's definitely some talent on that roster. I, um, the guy you didn't mention is Nick Chubb. The dude had three yeah. for 105 yards and two touchdowns. You give that guy the ball 30 times a game, and it's you get a thousand yards and 200 points. <laughs> That'd be some kind of record, Cotton. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm averaging sure. over 30 yards a carry on yeah, that I mean, last I'm, game. I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I mean, Carlos is a, he's a good back, but yeah, why they wouldn't be starting him or playing him more? Well, I think. Uh, they know they need to keep it balanced to keep Baker clean, to keep play action open. Um, Hyde has done pretty well uh, the last two years or so um, of staying healthy, staying on the field. Before that, he was definitely a guy that you just kind of expect to get nicked up over the course of time. Um, so I think that's the real reason they've been kind of just like wanting to have it be more of a split. Um, Chubb, if he didn't get hurt in college two years ago, he would have been – uh, a, probably a top 10 or 15 pick. I mean, this guy, when Gurley was back at Georgia and Gurley got hurt for the year, Chubb came in and you, I mean, you wouldn't have thought he was Todd Gurley, but you're just like, oh, they got another guy right behind him that's just like really, really good. Um, he had a gruesome knee injury. It took him a while to come back. Uh, he really seems to have gotten his speed back because I don't think a lot of people thought he had that open field speed, but I mean, he broke away on that run. And um, yeah, Chubb, Chubb's definitely the future, uh, a tailback for the Browns. But I think as long as they've got Hyde, I mean, they might as well go, uh, go with the balanced attack. Yeah, yeah I mean, Hyde is uh, – he, he's your workhorse on the team right now until, you know, I think Chubb gives you a bit of – he's got more speed than Hyde, but he can also run through the tackles. But, I mean, you look at – Hyde's only averaging uh, three and a half yards a carry. But he does have five scores through four games. I mean, he's been the guy that once they get in close, he's, he's pounding away those yards. He's getting some nice, you know, six to ten yard runs in there to, to keep everything balanced and open up the play action. So, I mean, Hyde's showing that he does have a lot left in the tank. But, I mean, 
the future is bright with Chubb in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And then Duke Johnson also, you know, him on the swing routes, the screens. Um, he's got great hands out of the backfield. So they got a nice little backfield that uh, should be with us for, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also would think, I mean, I haven't totally seen exactly what kind of full tilt offense Todd Haley's running, but I'm sure he's blending some of the spread stuff that Baker did in college um, in terms of routes, concepts, and stuff like that. But, I mean, Hyde was in a spread offense at Ohio State. Um, he ran, you know, something similar to that for the year that um, Chip Kelly was with the Niners. I mean, he's had some experience in sort of the more college-style scheme. Um, and, and so I think he can also kind of just, like, help sort of, you know, be the middle ground between whatever they need to run to make sure Baker's comfortable and on time and everything and the, the evolution of the offense, whatever Todd Haley wants to run, more of the Pittsburgh-style kind of, kind of system. So I agree. So, Brian, I have a question for you. So, how many wins does Cleveland need to have to save Hugh Jackson's job? <laughs> ooh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think if they can get into the six to eight range, I think they'll probably keep Hugh for another year. Um, I think zero to six is a pretty good improvement. Um, and I think if there's – if, if some more of those wins are like they have been um, against New Orleans by three and then against uh, the Raiders by three where you're, you're in close games like that, I mean, if we had a kicker, we might be, you know, two, one, and one or, or three, oh, and one. Like, you never know if we would have had a kicker in those first uh, three games. So right. I, I think in the six to eight range um, – but there has to be some close games in there that really make you think, you know, okay, we, we could have had a couple more of these and, and maybe it's just a, a call or, or one thing or the other. But um, I think if he doesn't get at least in the six range, I think he's probably going to be gone. Sounds about right. I also think if, if, if they were to lose a big string of games, I think having Todd Haley as your offensive coordinator is not a bad thing where he could step in and take over. if if things got really ugly uh, for, a, like, I don't know, a six- to seven-game stretch where the, if they wanted to, they could pull the plug in and put in Todd Haley. Um, but I don't think they'll do it during the season, in all honesty. Yeah, I think uh, in general it really just has to do with how well you can keep the locker room together, right? I mean, the after last season, obviously it takes a lot just to, you know, keep keep locker room open. Um, <laughs> but uh, – keeping one together when you've got these close losses because of what you went through last year. I mean, that really is what tells you if you've got a real head coach or not. Um, keeping the team that to like literally have the, the, the will and the belief that they're going to go out there every week and they can, if they don't beat themselves, that they'll get a win. I mean, that's, that's what you need. So yeah. being, being at uh, what one, one and two, when your two losses are combined like six points right now or something, I think six points. It's yeah. like, come on, man. That's, that's, not even a couple plays. That's like one play each game, you know. Like I don't remember about the Saints game. What what it could have been? I mean, it was, that was the game where the kicker missed a bunch of field goals, right? But um, two field goals, two extra two, points. Right. So I mean, hit any of those up, and you're you're good there. But in the Raider the game against the Raiders, I mean, yeah, it was early, but Baker had Landry on a slant. I think it was the second drive of, or third drive of the first quarter, and yeah, it's it's a tough throw. It's quick. It's in like a split second, and he just mm-hmm. kind of ripped it too high. But, I mean, give that six instead of a field goal, and you've got your ball game, you know, hindsight mm-hmm. and all that. So, 
it's really about keeping the locker room together. If he can do that, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily just about the win total. Um, now yeah. that he's got the monkey off his back, I think it's about what's the state of the union with the team um, as, as these close losses or maybe even close wins start to kind of happen. Right. If you're yeah, improving, I, yeah, that maybe that's that's what they that's when they decide to keep him around. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't think it's gonna be if things go south. I don't think there's gonna be a long like he's not he's not gonna have a long leash. Sure. And I think that's fair. With John Dorsey coming in as the GM, I think he showed that a couple weeks ago when he like, you know, Josh Gordon missed a meeting and showed up late to something, and he was like, "Look, I'm not doing this. Like, yeah. I don't care what anyone did before." You have all the talent in the world, and I've given you every, every opportunity, but this is it. It's time to go. We're moving on. Yeah. So I don't yeah. think that he's going to give Hugh a lot of leeway in the same situation. With what he's had the last two years, it's kind of like you got to show me, you know, from wins to, to the locker room that you know what you're doing and you're in control. And if you're not, yeah. I think he's, he would have no problem letting him go and, and finding his coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two more two more quick things about the Browns. I have to say they both qualify under um, the category no accident. It's no accident that Todd Haley is the guy they chose for offense coordinator. He's a guy that is going to bring like you know a more contemporary brand of offense that they need. But also, if something happens with Hugh, he's a guy that can slide in just like you said. Um, and and you know if you're talking about a way to get the locker room to believe in you, hey, the offense put up 42 points. I'd start believing in that play calling system and everything too, right? But then mm-hmm. second to that, John Dorsey is a real, like, street cred, like, proven GM. This guy, if, if Baker pans out, let's say Baker pans out, he found Baker, and the year before he made a massive trade-up to get Patrick Mahomes, who is currently just, like, taking the league over, right? Like, yep. uh, not to mention any of the other picks that Dorsey's made with the Chiefs um, over the years to give them the talent they have, right? Um mm-hmm. So I think Dorsey is really the sta- been brought maybe one of the bigger like stabilizing factors to the Browns, you know, um, becoming competitive here, um, which is exactly what they've been over the first month. Yeah, and I think I mean having haven't watched the game today, uh, the Raider game. Don't don't give the ball away quite as much, you know. Get rid of a few penalties, and like that'll make the difference. Like they could easily go six six to eight wins. Yeah, but those are the growing pains that you go through, right? That mm-hmm. this is the tough year uh, for a team. This is really the challenging year for a team mm-hmm. that's coming. From, from, from square one, from the bottom, right? It's this year where you're beating yourself more than the other team's beating you because you've got to get out of your own way. You know, sloppy tackling, penalties on third downs, you know, missing opportunities to, to capitalize on a short field, just little things, like those things that all add up. That's what really, like, makes or breaks you from taking that next step. So it's actually, I mean, call it what you will, it's the Browns going through this right now is probably the best thing for them aside from, you know, obviously just being 4-0 or something. Um, <laughs> it's because they're, they're getting a chance to learn from all these, like right now in the early going. How they play the rest of the year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to say a lot about um, what they're made of what, and, and what the, the coaching staff is going to be able to bring. Teacher looks yeah, right, Brian. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I mean, it, it, does, it does look bright. And, I mean, if we get rid of some of the rookie mistakes, the early fumbles, the turnovers um, – they, they'd be in a better situation to win that ball game. And, um, you know, you don't leave it up to the refs and, and play calls exactly. and things like that. Um, yeah. You got to take care of business. So they got a lot of talent. They look good. They're young. Um, I, I think they're going to be very good. So it'll be, it'll be good to see how they hold up this weekend against, you know, Baltimore and the way the Ravens have played the last couple weeks. So 
it'll be a good test for them to see how they bounce back from this close game and um, if they can come out and possibly get a win against Baltimore and, and get some wins in this division. Yep. Yeah, Baltimore has, has looked pretty good. I'm actually a little surprised that they've looked as good. Uh, yeah, there just seem to be that team uh, that just sort of makes you play their style. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they will go downfield on you, but they're going to grind it out between the 20s. They're going to play tough defense. They're going to make you earn everything. I mean, they're, they're still, you know, going to make you, make you work for it. But, um, yeah, not, the team, not one of the teams I'd expect to be, you know, at their record at this point of the year probably. But, uh, you know, it goes to show you that the first month is, is just a weird place. In the mm-hmm. NFL, and then, you know, it only gets more weird every year. <laughs> how, how much do you think uh, the Ravens drafting Lamar Jackson lit a fire under Joe Flacco? Uh, I think it's probably a, he. It's a. It's definitely a factor. I think obviously, and then also he knows his contract as well as anybody else does. I mean, the Ravens could get out from under it this year after this year if they wanted to. So, yeah, if he doesn't perform, you know, he might be getting paid out or, or however else his, his contract works. But, you know, it might be a different story for him. So he's kind of in that spot where he's like, okay, well, Lamar Jackson or not, I've got to perform this year. Them going out mm-hmm. and getting him, uh, trading up for him, getting him in the first round, I think just says like, hey, listen, so you gotta get, you got to get this right. And you've gotta, you mm-hmm. can't be the reason we're mediocre or 8-8 or, eight and eight or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a motivating factor. But I also think it's just him trying to probably prove that yeah, he maybe he was worth at least some of that money. I don't know if he was ever going to be worth all of it, but uh, you know. Yeah, I think yeah, I, think I, think it was, I, I do think, and it, I um, I've never been a huge Joe Flacco fan. Like I think he's like he's got strong the big arm and all that stuff. He won a Super Bowl, blah blah blah. But he's always kind of like that that second tier of quarterback or something. But having Lamar Jackson there, um, the the thing that kind of strikes me about it is that he has he's been a professional about it. He's been pretty classy about it like he's not happy about it but he's going to go out and work and he's actually seems to to at least to some degree kind of embraced having Lamar there and kind of in on some plays and all that kind of stuff so I don't know gotta respect the guy for that agreed I mean <laughs> I'm not a big Joe Flacco fan and yeah. I was super happy when the Baltimore Ravens way overpaid him because now they couldn't pay other people mm-hmm. um but I thought that was a, a great move on their part to go up and get Lamar Jackson and I mean that guy's Every time the ball's in his hand, he's he's a playmaker. Like he could do it. So he he, he makes me nervous for the future of what <laughs> Browns Ravens games will be like. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got to give credit to Joe Flacco for stepping up and kind of showing that. Look, you paid me for a reason. You made me the starting quarterback here, and I'm I'm going to show you what I can do. Yep. So, so contrast that with um, <clears throat> a certain player from my team, not. Acting quite as classy. Oh, oh, that's what you call a segue in the folks. Business. That's right. That's right. Here we go. Um, actually, so I, I had written up because we we had talked about doing this podcast a week earlier, um, and I had notes written up for that. And one, I had one in here that was that said Earl Thomas is a great player and a crappy teammate. And that was yeah. before this last game. Foreshadowing. Um, yeah, I feel kind of bad having written it down because now, now he's. Got a broken leg, but um, uh, yeah, I I just been in watching the games this year, the Seahawks games. It just seemed like he was he's he was out there, you know, kind of going through the motions. Like he wasn't really, you know, not the same kind of intensity uh, that he normally plays with, and just 
was kind of out there to kind of fulfill the contract or whatever. Um, but didn't really want to be there pretty obviously. Uh, so I don't know, you know, when he went down and then got carted off and then gave his own sideline, the finger as he was being taken back to the locker room, can't say I was very classy, but, um, what was classy was Pete Carroll saying, just give the guy a break. He's like, obviously a very emotional time and all that kind of stuff. I actually was pretty surprised by that. If I had been the coach, I would have been like, okay. <laughs> well, uh, I'll say a couple things about this and I'll try and keep them brief because we're talking about the Seahawks and I can probably go on for a rant for a while here. But uh, I guess first thing will be, yeah. I, so I haven't watched every game that they've played. Um, I don't know if he was going through the motions or not, but just, just checking the stat sheets. I mean, going through the motions or not, he had three picks and, in three and a half, four games, whatever it was. Um, so uh, I think he was able to at least show up on that end. But if play for play, snap for snap, he's not having it, then, you know, that's obviously going to be really apparent. Um, you know, everything about him flipping off the sideline, anything like that, this is the same dude that after their season was ended last year, he ran over to Jason Garrett and said, come get me in free agency. Mm-hmm. Like, come sign me. I'm from Texas. I want to play for Dallas. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You know, so it's like, him being emotional, him being that guy is is not that surprising to me. Did I expect it to ever get to this level? Probably not. But you know, this is this is exactly why he was saying, I need my money, guys. Like yeah. say what you will about Earl Thomas at this stage of his career. He's currently the sixth highest paid safety in the league. Just, like yeah, really. are there are there five better than him in the league? Like is there one I'm not better? saying I I mean you could say Eric Berry maybe, but Eric maybe, Berry's yeah. hurt too. Like, yeah. I don't know. You know, um, there's other guys that maybe get in the conversation over time, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're probably the, the conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's the nature of the position. It's the nature of the league with guys getting paid constantly, but this is why he was holding out. Right. Mm-hmm. He was saying like, Hey, we've got, let it get to this point. Like there's five guys at my position being paid higher than me. Like, I don't think so. And sure enough, you know, he could use the money right now. Like we don't know what's going to happen. He's going to be, what, 30 next year? Or, yeah, or, he's 29 or, now, yeah. He's going to be 30 hitting the market, mm-hmm. um, looking to sign some kind of a yeah, maybe two, three-year deal, you know, yeah. possible. And that's just the deck is stacked against him, you know? Well, and I just read just before we started this, I was reading an article about it and about him and Le'Veon um, saying that the, they were saying that the Seahawks might use the franchise tag on him next year, which would yeah. really piss him off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. I mean – He'd get paid decently on a one-year deal, but um, yeah, that would kind of that would definitely. I I I would say you'd probably see the same antics he did this year in training camp. Next year, if they sign him to the franchise tag, where he like, mm-hmm. I mean, he was known in practice to just in the middle of a play sit down on the field and stop playing to like kind of show his protests, and it's like that's a little crazy, you know, a bit extreme. But I I mean, I guess. You look at the outcome that happened now, and it's kind of like, yeah. well, I mean, it, it sucks when you see a player that good that you know is probably the best safety in the NFL get hurt like that. And then, and it's a significant injury. It's a broken leg. So, like, it's not like he's just going to pop back up and be able to do that. Yeah. He's going to have to do a lot of rehab to get back to where he was. And if, the, if they don't use the franchise tag on him, there, I would not be surprised if it ends up being somebody giving him a one-year prove-it deal with like a two with a second-year tagged on to it or something like that, loaded with incentives or something to see where he's at coming back from that rehab. Yeah. Um, 
And correct me if I'm wrong here, Andrew. I mean, he got hurt this year. He had the hold on and everything. I think a lot of this stems from was it two years ago he ended he had the his season ended earlier with a I think a knee injury or, or something like that ACL mm-hmm. I don't know what it was uh, some kind of injury and like by the time the game was over he was I think tweeting stuff like saying like I don't know if I can do this anymore like I don't know if my like yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if I can, like he's yeah, clearly an emotional dude you know yeah, like true, true. so I just think he might retire or something wasn't yeah it? exactly right and yeah. so I'm like okay I think that injury scared him. Uh, obviously a lot and mm-hmm. put it in perspective that he's like, I got to get the money now. I got to get it now. Mm-hmm. And this also, well, and then seeing makes the case, you know, you know, Sherman get, get hurt. Uh, Cam Chancellor get hurt. You know, all these guys around him, exactly. Like, his buddies Mike, all going yeah. down. Yeah. yeah I and mean, before, I mean, was Michael Bennett, was he healthy before he left? I mean, regardless, he's not there anymore. You know, like there's, yeah, yeah he's the last, yeah. he's the last guy left from that, that defense. Well, oh, Wagner, Wagner, right? But, Wagner, right? But from yeah. the Legion of Boom, for sure. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I, it, it sucks. I mean, for me, like, I don't know. He's a great player, and I wish that Seattle would just pay him in the off season. You know, like right. yeah, he had, he had a year left on the deal, but you know, lock him up. You know, get him yeah. on a three or four year thing. Yeah. Make it, you know, try to make it cap friendly or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna launch into a whole other topic here or not, but I, I'm I'm kind of I'm just. At, I'm like continually confused with these teams that are like, oh, well, we can't afford this many big contracts. But it's like, but you signed the quarterback to the big contract. You, you didn't just do that thinking, cool, we're good for this year. That's it. No more contracts need to get signed, guys. It's like, you're a GM. You look down the road two, three years. Whose contract is coming up? What's the salary cap going to look like? Like, what kind of options am I going to have in terms of my net um, um, cap space in order to keep the team together? So it's like these these excuses come up. I feel like the last couple of years are like, oh well, they can't afford to pay him because Russell Wilson got paid, or because someone else got paid. I'm like, well, but you, you but think about you it. Know, like, you you know that's going to happen, though. Yeah, if you're the GM, you you know you know that that's going to happen, but maybe you're counting on some some guy kind of emerging as like the next star, and so somebody like Earl Thomas becomes expendable. I mean, he's he's a very, very good player. So that's, that's a big risk yeah. to take, but you look at yeah. like the cornerback situation, like Shaquille Griffin. Yeah. Baller, you know, really yeah. good player. Yeah. Like I don't actually miss Sherman. You know what I mean? No, I think, I, I think they did. They did the, like what GMs are supposed to do, like mm-hmm. with the corners, right. They revamped over the draft through the draft yeah. and got them. When did they draft the safety? Like other than Earl Thomas, other than Cam Chancellor forever ago, like they haven't tried to have an heir apparent yeah. in place. So to me, it's like you can only do that with so many positions, right? Mm-hmm. You can't always just be like, okay, well, forget paying him. We'll just draft a guy and he'll be legit. Like you can hope that, sure, and you can yeah. try it, sure. But uh, in a case where it already worked for the corners, I'd almost not expect it to work for the safeties, you know, on the same mm-hmm. team, right? You just don't get that lucky normally. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of positions to fill. Well, that right. and I think it's interesting how the NFL has turned where they'll pay a, an occasional defensive end or – in the case of uh, Donald just getting paid a defensive tackle, but they don't really want to pay the corners and the safeties and the linebackers on a defense. All the GMs, there seems to be a big consensus of, like, these guys are replaceable or they're, they're in a plug-and-play position where yeah. we don't need to pay a corner $15 million because, well, we can go out and get somebody else. Um, yeah. Or we don't have to play, like, a big-hitting safety $13 million because – well, we'll just get a, a sixth-round pick, you know, yeah. and, and plug him in, and hopefully he doesn't give up that many scores where they'd rather put that money on the offensive side to 
pay the quarterback and potentially some offensive linemen to protect him um, instead of putting that money on the defensive side of the ball. And you look at all the penalties that the NFL has been calling more on the defense and kind of hampering how they play, you can see the trend of, like, we don't want to pay the defensive players. There's so much of a liability. We'd rather use young guys and rotate through them. Um, But I wonder if that'll change, you know, like – they have the, what, I think in 2020 is when the CBA's up and they're going to renegotiate and they're, they're talking about a potential be. lockout. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, these are a lot of questions that will probably be on the table is, like, how do the defensive players match up with the offensive players and, and kind of get theirs and, and right. what's going to happen with all that. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting to see um, the direction that they're going in terms of GMs and whatnot in that way. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a good point, Brian. I think there's certain positions that you just don't see hit the waiver, hit the market in free agency much. Um, take, you know, Kirk Cousins just happened. Right. But like quarterbacks don't usually hit the market, at least like in their prime, obviously they're way too important. Pass rushers don't normally, they're obviously way too important. Um, elite wide receivers don't, they're usually way too important, but then most of the other positions, maybe outside a corner, maybe outside a left tackle, usually like, there's a chance they might get out there. But um, when you've got the elite players at a position like a Donald, who's like, I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, not just at his position. Like he's just, you know, he's, he's everything you want. Um, yeah. You just got to pay that guy. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, when you know you have a Russell Wilson and you know, you have these other guys that you need to pay. Like the, I just feel like the quote unquote rationale or excuse of, Oh, well we had to pay Russell Wilson. What were we supposed to do? It's like, I don't know. You're supposed to maybe try and draft another safety or you're supposed to, Try and re- 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 negotiate someone draft, else's deal. Draft a lineman. Oh, them. <laughs> you wanna... But they have drafted them. They've tried at least that yeah. um, occasionally, once once a draft. Even though you need like four I'd more say, of them. You know, I was watching the, the not to not to make this all about the Seahawks. Watching the the game today, and I was texting with my sister, and um, I was like, wait a second. So yeah, so Carson is the number one. He's hurt. Right. So Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. The guy they drafted in the first round is still not the starter. Like, shouldn't yeah. a first round running back be pushing for the starting job from day one? Isn't that isn't this just Pete Carroll one on one though? Like, like hype a guy up, say you love a guy, and then Mike Davis gets a twenty carries in the game. Yeah, right? I, I mean, I just like anyway. Yeah, I mean, draft a punter, a lineman. I don't know all those. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that's a, that's a weird one. But that's another <laughs> one where I think they did that to get out of the salary of paying the punter. Right, because yeah. was yeah. was he making like a decent salary? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. they drafted that sixth round guy or fifth round, and the then fifth round, yeah. yeah, yeah, to like take out the punter. It's like, I don't know. I mean, usually you see that with running backs where they like, oh, we'll try to get a third round or a fourth round running back that hopefully will be this guy that a lot of people haven't heard of, who's a workhorse, and then he'll come in, play really well for three years or so, and then they'll go find the next one before they have to pay him. Right. They could have, they could have taken a lineman in the first round and Penny still would have been there in the second round. They could have, still could have. Yeah. Maybe. You know, it, this reminds me of is the New York Giants. And look at all the weapons they have in New York with, you know, Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. and Shepard. And Eli doesn't have more than probably a second and a half in the pocket to try to get somebody to the ball. And now I think they're, they're one in three. And it's amazing what not drafting a lineman for now, I think this is four years in a row, they have not went out and tried to get a lineman in the first or early second round. 
And it, it shows on paper when they can't get the ball down the field, they have playmakers and they can't get them the ball. So it just is reflective of that and why it's worth investing in first round, like first round linemen, because they're worth the pick. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> and coming from the Browns fan who had, you know, 13 years of Joe Thomas. Oh man, that is a welcome sight when you don't, it's a position you don't have to worry about for a decade. Mm-hmm. If you right. draft right, it's such a luxury. So Nora, tell me about what's the mood in SF after JGQ went down. You know, you know that meme where the dog is sitting and everything's on fire, and he's just like, "This is fine, everything's <laughs> fine." Uh, it's it's mostly that. Um, no, I'll uh, I'll take I'll take the two the two quick kind of uh, uh, disparate takes on this. Um, one is you're pissed off because. You saw what the offense was starting to kind of become. Even in that game against Casey, um, we're about to get, you know, within a touchdown um, uh, into the third quarter. So plenty of game left. You're thinking, hey, you can wear down Casey's defense. Obviously, they have trouble stopping everyone. So you're thinking, hey, we're going to get going here. Um, and, and then there's the, the, the type of play that, that it happened on, right? Like Jimmy G scrambles out. Could have easily got out of bounds scot-free. Um, even even if, even with him putting his shoulder down to try and get a couple extra yards, um, for it to just happen with his knee just buckling, um, you know, like that type of stuff, you got to wonder if it's going to weigh on him mentally. Um, obviously, we've seen quarterbacks have knee injuries and stuff over the years. Bridgewater. You start, to, you start to worry about guys around your feet in the pocket later on in your career as you're pushing up, as guys are falling on the ground behind you. Um, it, just, it just weighs on you. And if you're worried about what's going on under you, you're not going to be able to throw accurately to the guys in front of you. So it's, it's potentially damaging for, for uh, him long-term, obviously. But the other, other side of this is, you know, Kyle Shanahan proved he could keep the team together last year with the 0-9 start. That team was in a lot of games. They had games against the Rams that were close that you lose by a – um, uh, a bad pick play call uh, from the refs. You had another game that was uh, an OPI got called late, I think two weeks later after the Rams game. Um, there were games that they were in last year that they could have easily just, I mean, they did end up losing, but they could have folded after. Um, and he kept he kept the team together and, and they were able to get it going. So I think there's a lot of trust being put on him to be able to, to continue to do that. Overall, the offense played pretty well last game too. I know that the, the Chargers defense isn't like, you know, um, they're not they're not crazy. They usually have a much better pass rush, but Bosa's out, so they're they're pretty pretty middle middle ground defense. Um, they were able to bust some big plays, and they're able to stay you know close in that game. And they had a lead late, couldn't hold on. So um, the mood I think is still very much like, well, sad. This may be like is kind of like a lost year, what have you. Like you've got the fan base saying like, okay, cool. Well, hey, if they lose every game. You get a lottery pick and you add it to a potentially really good team next year with Jimmy G coming back, or you you hey you prove what you are outside of Jimmy G, and then maybe you get some other free agents to join next year. They can believe in the system on both sides, and you plug Jimmy back in, and and you've got a much better team next year. Not to mention getting McKinnon back next year too. So I think in general, you kind of have that sense that maybe this is just the year where a lot of guys keep getting hurt. Uh, guys are getting banged up and they're getting taken out of the game last week. Um, you had Marquise Goodwin get hurt in the first couple stretches of game one. He was out for two weeks. Like you kind of get the sense it's just not the year, but um, 
it's week. We just had week four. You got a lot of year left. Yeah. If it's not your near yet, your near your year right now. Um, you can't really, you can't really deal with that yet. It's got to not be your year at the end of it when you look back. Right. So, um, I think, um, you know, everything that everyone said about like the type of like competitor and everything that Jimmy is, he's got to know this too. Um, he's going to be scrutinized for everything he does on the field, off the field. We saw a lot of that this off season. Um, so these are the types of things he can't do. Get out of bounds when you can slide when you can don't take hits. You don't have to. I mean, yeah, a guy should know that after this many years in the league, but Hey, you get caught up in the moment. You try to make a play. It happens. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. I think how Carson Wentz looks from the Eagles when this year's said and done and how he came back from that knee injury. I think that would be good as like a, somebody Jimmy could look at to see, you know, how does he look? How does he come back? How comfortable is he feeling? And yeah. hopefully that's something he can look at to be like, okay, this is how Carson did it. It's a, it's very fresh. Um, and maybe that'll give him some insight into what he can do to avoid these in the future, but also to be comfortable when he does come back so that he's comfortable, like putting weight on that knee, uh, not worried about guys falling around his knees, uh, yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, he, that's a good, that's a good take. Uh, Wentz, I think is going to be what they're looking at. I mean, you know, Wentz got that injury late into last year. He had to wait longer to come back. He had to, you know, wait a couple of weeks to come back in. Um, his first game, he did look a little rusty, but then you look at last game, I think he went, uh, he threw the ball 50 times, and I think he had like 300-something, 350 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so Jimmy getting hurt in week three, I mean, he's going to be – he should be ready for training camp next year. He should be good to go. Um, so there's that part of it too where you're not kind of wondering when's he going to play, how's he going to look. It's like he should be out there day one, and hopefully that will help instill his confidence again too. Um, yep. so, so we'll have to see. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, you do see a little – like you do see the general, like the, the big factor is that Cal Shannon can still scheme guys open and still like make things work. And that gives you a lot of hope too, because he is starting to get like draft picks are starting to come in. Uh, George Kittle's in his second year. He just had a 83 yard touchdown last week. Um, you know, he, uh, he's, he's looked pretty good at times. Um, uh, Dante, Dante Pettis has looked pretty good at times. Um, there's, there's a couple different guys there. And then, you know, they went and got, went out and got McKinnon and he got hurt. So we don't know what he would look like in the offense yet, but there's a, there's a good sense of what he could be. So I don't know. I think um, it's hard to stay positive. I'm still pretty, pretty, pretty sad about it, pretty mad about it, all those things. But, um, you know, the division is what it is. LA is running away with it. And, you know, maybe you let them have a, they get a playoff run or they get to the playoffs and get bounced early and their team implodes. You never know. Uh, let's just let's see where it all plays out. One can only hope now. You hope for implosions when your quarterback goes down. A lot of times on those teams that do really well, a lot of guys, they get picked up by other teams. So other teams want to tap into that. So, yeah. you know, the Rams could lose some people if they actually kind of go all the way. Yeah. You can always hope for that. Well, they've got Gurley for a while. They've got Goff for a while. They've got Donald for a while. So they're going to be – They're going to uh, be good for a while. Coach. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere. I mean, at this well, point – no. Unless McVay gets tired of living a God's life in L.A. Uh, yeah, that's got to suck. Yeah, but it's terrible, right? Well, um, I, I, could, I could tell you as a Browns fan that, you know, there is hope when these things happen and there are good things to look forward to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the future. Um, 
So not everything is lost and, you know, you, you got to still stay positive. Um, well, I mean, Beathard had his moments. He knows the offense. He didn't look, he didn't look that bad at times. I mean, yeah, um, he was suppressing late kind of through a game ender pick. But, I mean, that game was lost mostly on, you know, bad tackling on the perimeter, some penalties, um, things that, you know, like I was saying with the Browns earlier, those are the growing pains you have to go through. And, like, this is just year two of, of the, the Shanahan-Lynch rebuild effort, right? And um, for it to be, like, the, for the bar to be set as high as it was this year shows that I think there's a lot that they can do still. Um, I was saying at the beginning of this year, all excitement and everything aside, I was still saying they need another draft class. They need another free agency class um, to really, like, take that next step. Um, this year was really just going to be about trying to clean things up and try and get closer to it. I still think there's a lot to improve, obviously. So they they might as well keep keep building things up, you know, in order to to get closer to that. And hopefully, this is the only year of quote unquote bad injuries or unlucky um, injuries that they need to go through, right? It is interesting how many times the team that kind of like they have this great season is it's they just don't have a lot of injuries that year. You know, like they get they don't get hit by the injury bug, and that's like it's true. Kind of determines a lot. I mean, yeah. at this point, after four weeks, anybody want to make Super Bowl picks? Well, I think your I think your front runner has to be what Rams Chiefs, like the two undefeateds. I mean, they look like the best two teams in football. Like, yeah, the Chiefs. I mean, their that that defense is kind of an Achilles heel. They were actually apparently trying to free up cap space to get go out and get Earl Thomas. Yes. Whatever. Oh, um, we're trying to make the trade. Yeah, which would probably would have shored things up quite a bit. But I think yeah. – I mean, that's that would be my picks too. I mean, the Rams look unstoppable. The Chiefs um, – although I have to say, the game that we just watched tonight, I feel like um, there might be a little bit of a formula there for – like if you get to Mahomes and kind of rattle him, he becomes a lot less accurate. Um, and he kind of picked it up at the end of the game and made some amazing throws. <laughs> but early in the game, he just – you know, they were getting off the ball so fast. Yeah, each other yeah. <laughs> that he just I mean he didn't have any time he's just he's just throwing the ball randomly so. yeah I think Mahomes can truly be a backbreaker out of the pocket he's he's got some athleticism obviously and he threw that ridiculous touchdown against the Niners two weeks ago where mm-hmm. he spun out and just totally you know with like totally off balance he just kind of backpedals and rifles a throw to the back of the end zone I mean he's got he's yeah, got the wheels to do some things and um he uh can do that. So I think, yeah, keep him in the pocket, make him make stick throws against his zone, um, maybe over the shallow middle and, and make him make some seam throws. The problem is if he's making seam throws, he's throwing to Travis Kelsey. So it kind of doesn't like, it's not <laughs> yeah. necessarily a great scheme, quote unquote, to beat him. But I agree. Maybe some people will take kind of some, uh, some, some tips from what the, the, the Broncos were able to do. I agree with the Rams pick. Obviously, I think they are the team to beat in the NFC. Um, they just look too strong on all, all both sides of the ball. Um, they put pressure on you a lot of different ways, all that stuff. The reason I don't jump on the Chiefs bandwagon in terms of them being a favorite right now, and I know it's crazy to say probably because they did grind out an impressive win here on the road at Mile High, but that defense does not stop anyone. Like, literally, they if they're the last ones on the field, like, a, a Case Keenum overthrow was going to ice this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and a hook and ladder that got kind of botched at the end would have iced this game after that. Like they, they got away with the defense got away with not losing the game. Um, I haven't I think seen that's, such poor tackling by an NFL defense in a long time. 
they're like two and three guys. They're like tackling each other out of the way rather than yeah. getting the ball carry. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's like some like Looney well, Tunes version. Of, letting him go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So I think in the playoffs, even if the AFC is not the stronger conference anymore, mm-hmm. you've got new England against that defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah. they can hold up in a track meet still. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the Steelers who can definitely hold up in a track meet. And then if nothing else, you want to go with all that speed on offense. You want a defense that can, that can, take them on toe-to-toe, go look at Jacksonville. They're fast everywhere yeah. on that defense. And you, you give Bortles a chance against that defense. I mean, what are they going to do? Leonard Fournette? The they, yeah, I think, I think they can't tackle Royce Freeman. They're going to tackle Leonard Fournette. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, no I mean, way. Jacksonville, it's all about whether you get good Bortles or bad Bortles, right? And that defense. Well, yeah. A bad Bortles can beat that defense if he has the ball last. Like, that's <laughs> – they're not good. Like, yeah, yeah. It's true. If Jacksonville could get Fournette to stay healthy, Jacksonville is a legitimate threat to come out of the AFC, but they just need to get him healthy. It's a strange case there, too. He he tweaked it week one as the the hammy. Tweaked it week one. Week two, he says um, he felt good enough to play week one and come back in the game, but he's like, oh, we didn't need to. We're winning. So um, he doesn't play week two. Week three, he practices during the week then is practicing pregame, and they scratch him. So you're thinking, a week four, he should be good. And it was like, what, midway through the second or yep. whatever? And, you know, it's tight again. It's like, I don't know, man. That's still been the one one thing for Fournette. It's the high ankle he had in college and the, apparently the high ankle or hamstring in the pros. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really going to make or break uh, their run for sure. Yeah, I mean, they could be if, – if he stays healthy, they could be a dangerous team and – yeah, um, they, don't, they don't have to change their style uh, at all in the playoffs. They play playoff style already right yeah. now, right? And they got the defense to hold up to it, so it's just a matter of, like, getting a consistent running back to stay healthy, playing that, right. that offense, take some yeah. of the weight off of Bortles so you don't need him to play like, a, like an all-star. You just need him to manage the game and not turn it over. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah. are, they are definitely a threat to come out of the, the AFC. Correct. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how them and Tennessee match up also later in yeah. the year. Tennessee is strange, man. They talk about – we said it with Bal- We said it with Baltimore earlier. They make you play their way. Tennessee just makes you play ugly. Like, they don't know what happens. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like pl- people that play against Tennessee, it's like they have their, the, the wrong shoes on the wrong feet. Like, they can't just like – all of a sudden they're on ice skates with no, or on ice with no ice skates. Like, I don't know what happens to these guys. But, like, Tennessee just makes you, like, just – you have to earn everything against them or something. I don't know what happens, but it's I strange. It. I, I don't know how the, hell, how the hell did they beat Philly this week? Like, what? Yeah. Seriously. doesn't make uh, any sense to me. I didn't think they were going to be good at all. The, no. um, New England's about to get a lot better. I think once Josh Gordon gets integrated and uh, Edelman comes back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like they're just going to step it up. Yeah. And, they, they just rolled this week and they didn't even have Gronk. I mean, they're, yeah. they're doing what the Patriots do. You come out of the gates one and three or, or whatever they are, one and two, and then they people are like, Is this the end of the empire? And then no. eight weeks eight <laughs> weeks from now they look like it. I mean, they were terrible last week. Oh, they they have looked bad, I will say that. <clears throat> but um, you know, like two months from now, there's gonna be like, Okay, well, they haven't lost a game since September and here we go and whatever else. You know, like yeah. it's just the same old shit, guys. Yeah, you know? go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, that, them and KC, uh, it's kind of a similar profile, right? Like, not right. a great defense, but an offense that just kind of rolls. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting once they get Josh Gordon up to speed. I think he's going to 
he could be like how Randy Moss was when he came to uh, New England and kind of took the top off the defense. And if you have Gordon running down the field, you have to cover him with two guys because he's that big, he's that strong, and that's going to open up. cover Gronk with two guys. Exactly. Edelman's going to be running all day. Like You're running out of guys day. real quick. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, like, that's going to open up that offense a ton. And, like, they're just, once he's integrated in about week six, week seven, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think New England's going to be – they're probably going to be hitting their stride and they're going to look way dangerous. Yeah. In a weird way, uh, Burkhead getting hurt for the Patriots might help them. It might, like, not, not have them get in their own way of having – eight different running backs that they're running through there, right? They're going to have Michelle between the tackles who looked great last week and, and looked like uh, like a game changer in college and kind of starting to look like that right now. Um, you got uh, James Whitesell, a huge factor in the passing game, swing pass. They move him around all over the field. You're going to get Edelman back, move out of the slot, the whole short area quickness game. And then, like you said, you got Gordon and Gronk, and they're obviously getting work out of uh, uh, Cordero Patterson scheming him some things like they did last week. I mean, they're just going to do what they do. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as they've got that goddamn ugg-wearing quarterback and that, <laughs> that, that, that vaudeville villain of a head coach, um, <laughs> that's, they're going to do what they do. Agreed. They almost don't need to have the top-tier defense with the weapons they have on offense. They'll be able to yeah. score. Like I think that what they put up, 38 this week, I think that's yeah. going to be – they're going to start to be able to put up that many points on a regular basis. and Yeah. And, and, and when it comes to playing against the other teams in the AFC, Belichick already knows what to do, right? He can play against the Steelers and bracket coverage AB and scheme him out of the game for the most part, make the other guys beat you. There's that. Or he can make Bortles try and beat you. There's that, right? There's not a lot of teams in the AFC. Um, if it's the Patriots against the Chiefs, that could get interesting, right? Because the Chiefs have an offense that can travel, obviously. And uh, their defense doesn't show up regardless of their home or away. But, uh, you know, the, that, that's a matchup to, to really want to see in the playoffs. So that could be – who knows? Maybe that'll be it. Yeah. So much speed, so much power. Hey, um, it's already been about almost an hour. Oh, oh wow. Look, look at us. Um, time flies. Time flies when you're T-sagging. <laughs> that's, that's, I, what did we say about that? <laughs> I, I wasn't supposed to say that. I'm sorry. Um, one, uh, let's maybe one last thing. Uh, your boy Breeze, Nor. Yeah, setting records left a, and right. I had a feeling this might come up. Um, yeah. yeah uh, for uh, the loyal listener that doesn't know, I'm actually I'm pretty sure Craig knows this. I've been a staunch <laughs> Drew Breeze fan um, since since his college days. Always uh, uh, one of my favorite players uh, outside of the Niners for sure. Um, he is 201 yards away from being the all-time NFL passing leader, uh, which is astronomical. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next week, Sunday night, they play against the uh, the team from Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he I think he does it. I think he's going to throw for like four hundred yards. I think he's going to throw for like three thirty. <laughs> um, uh, he's just been just chopping away at that record mm-hmm. for a long time. I mean, uh, you talk about guys. There's a couple. There, I don't know what the exact list is. I probably should have looked it up, but it's like the number of 5,000 yard passing seasons that have yeah, happened in NFL history. Yeah. And it's like Marino has one. I think Stafford has one or is close to one. And then Breeze has like four or something like it's, it's nuts what he's been able to do. Uh, it's almost like he had a different career um, after leaving San Diego and going to new Orleans. Um, he had that horrific shoulder injury 
They weren't sure if he was going to be the same player. And all he's done is booked his ticket to Canton, man. It's nuts. But um, I'm obviously pulling for him, you know, yep. hoping he gets that record. Uh, Statistically, be, he's going to be the best quarterback in NFL history. Well, his yardage – I mean, the yardage is going to be there. His touchdown interception ratio is also really good. Um, and, and what was com- the record he just set last week? He, re- he set some other record. Completions or something. It might be like uh, career completion percentage or something um, because his completion percentage has been pretty, pretty amazing too for, mm-hmm. for a long time. And, um, you know, it's, just, it's, it's what happens when you get that, that sort of um, the, the perfect kind of like harmony between a head coach that's a great play caller and, Breeze that, that can make it work and sure enough Sean Payton just kept finding players to put around him I mean mm-hmm. look at the different pieces they've had on the Saints offense over the years right you had it when he first got there it was like oh who's this Colston guy where the hell did they find Jimmy Graham what's mm-hmm. it like you know and then those guys Reggie Bush even Deuce McAllister these guys end up leaving they get retooled refilled and now they've got Kamara as a freaking monster mm-hmm. they haven't even had Mark Ingram yet he was a beast last year too um, Michael Thomas looks like maybe one of the best receivers in the league. Um, you know, they just kind of keep doing it. And yep. you can say it's Breeze that makes those guys good or, or Peyton that puts them in the right position, whatever the case. You're never going to have a quarterback do this well without a play caller um, mm-hmm. like Sean Payton. And you're never going to have a play caller and a head coach be as successful without a player like Breeze. So I just feel like it's always got to be a balance. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope he gets it done this week. Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty surprising if he didn't break 200 yards. <laughs> Passing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If, um, if, he, if he's under 200 yards, that would be some sort of record because I'm pretty sure – I don't know that he's ever thrown for under 200 yards. <laughs> I mean – Yeah, if it's happened, it's not a lot for sure. I mean – It's highly was, unlikely. When was the last yeah. time that the racist team from Washington allowed fewer than 200 yards passing? Well, there's a there's a real stat for you. Now we're getting into the barroom trivia. Yeah. Probably like the Clinton Portis days. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Or maybe maybe before that because they traded Champ Bailey to get to get Portis, right? right. So, right. Yeah, it was probably when Champ Bailey was playing there. It was right before that. The yeah. Champ Bailey, the Champ Bailey Sean Springs corner oh, right. might have yeah. done it. When Sean Taylor was there playing safety at the start oh, of his career. Oh, that dude was a man. He was a beast. Animal. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you guys. All right. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with Le'Veon Bell? News uh, came out. So the news came out today that supposedly he's going to report week seven. Mm-hmm. On the bye week? On the bye week. Do you think he reports to Pittsburgh? And, and do you think he will be a stealer next year? Uh, well, so, so I, the same article that I read, I uh, mentioned reading about Earl Thomas, uh, mentioned Le'Veon, and one of the things they talked about was next year not doing a franchise tag, but doing the uh, franchise tender, or there's some other mm-hmm. type of thing that they can do mm-hmm. that's based, it's based on the previous year's salary. And so mm-hmm. as he doesn't take game checks, mm-hmm. like the more, the longer he does that, the lower his salary would be next year <laughs> if the Steelers right. were able to uh, play him on that contract, but that contract also has no restrictions. Like other somebody else could just swoop in and kind of pick him up. So I don't think that's a super likely. I don't. I don't see him being a Steeler next year. I mean, maybe not even for the rest of this year. 
Yeah, I, I guess I'll I'll answer the question sort of backwards. Uh, I don't think he'll be a stealer next year. I think that's what precipitated the holdout. I think um, both sides don't expect him to be a stealer next year, and that's why he's holding out. I think he expected the Steelers to just feed him 330 touches or 380 touches, whatever he's been averaging um, for however many years. And he's like, well, that's where and tear I don't need to take. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, if people want to complain that I've had too much usage, how about a year off? How about, you know, we got no usage this year. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think it was a leverage play on his part. Um, and, you know, you can say what you will about whether you agree with it or not. I think he's just trying to get his where he can. I mean, mm-hmm. he plays the single most violent position in the most violent sport. Um, or at least, like, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of aside from MMA and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's just saying, hey, listen, I've only got so much time and I'm going to make it worth it. So do I think he actually reports – uh, but at the bye week, I would say yes. But I expect this to be um, a, move, a move to read, like to stir up some trade talks, to get people into it again, to maybe get the Steelers to adjust what their asking price is, something like that. Because I got to wonder why more teams aren't trying to get to them either. Like, give me a team like Indianapolis or a team like mm-hmm. um, maybe Houston or maybe a team like, I don't know, they were saying the Jets, I guess you could say the Jets, maybe, whatever. But, like, maybe that's a good example. Like, a team like like the Jets that probably has cap room and maybe picks that are worth a little bit more than mm-hmm. some of the other teams and say, hey, yeah, we'll give you something that you want for Le'Veon Bell. Let's take them. Let's do that. Or a team like the Colts or, or, or Texans, which, you know, maybe could be running back away from having, like, a really, really potent offense that can make noise in the AFC, right? I, I just don't see – what, like what's stopping teams from from making those things making well, those the, offers one of the hard things about it is that you don't have a guarantee that you're going to be able to keep them yeah. after next season you can't sign them to a long-term contract at this point is my understanding you yeah have to you wait can't till the off season yep that's correct so, yeah so, so any trade would have to involve having that kind of like handshake in place right of like mm-hmm. hey we're trading for you we will make you the highest paid running back or whatever number you want we will give you that next year like that's the deal because the things um, you need to, to, to get him, you, you, need, you need to need a starting running back. I mean, first of right. all, so plenty of teams are kind of set at that position. You need to have something like $12 million in cap space this year free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You need to have high draft picks that you can give up. So yeah. the, uh, I think it's at the Colts that have two second rounders next year or something. The Colts have two second rounders. I guess what could be stopping the Colts is they know they have to pay Andrew Luck, and that's going to be record-setting when it happens. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, or didn't didn't they did they already pay him? They paid him once, didn't they? Yeah, it's coming down the pipe again. But no. I mean, but yeah, I mean, so greedy. Last yeah. rumor was that they wanted a second round pick plus a quote unquote good player. So uh, essentially, yes. you got to give up a second rounder and then somebody that can go to Pittsburgh and basically start play this year for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's a yeah. that's a steep price to pay for a guy that might play the last seven or eight games of the year. And you, yeah. there's no guarantee he's even going to show up and play those last eight games. I mean, you're assuming he will, but at the same time, he could, he could opt to not. He could like, because he's not going to have the, the big contract in place. So what's the incentive exactly. to go out and risk getting injured like Earl just did, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one thing that he does need to do is he'll play six – he has to play six games to accrue a season – Mm-hmm. in order to be a free agent next year. Mm-hmm. So that's why the rumor that he would come back week 10 was so big. Is like, if he comes back week 10, he gets six games, he's a free agent, he can walk out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, 
But it, it's, it's intriguing to see what happens. I mean, as a Browns fan, I'm pretty stoked that he's not coming back right now. And uh, yeah, I would hope he's not there the last game of the season when we travel to Pittsburgh. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, something went south in Pittsburgh and, and he's definitely not happy. And even you look at kind of how Antonio Brown's been a little bit more talkative this year and, and you know, kind of um, he's been open to like what he's saying to the media and things like that. It's kind of yeah. interesting that these guys aren't as tight-lipped as they have been in the past under Mike Tomlin. Oh, and, that's true. I mean, it's the most dysfunctional locker room in the NFL. Right? Agreed. It certainly and, seems that way. But it also seems like it kind of works for them in some way. Like it, things are all dramatic, but then they come out and they play well. And So it's kind of like that's that combustible element, right? It's like maybe it's similar to what the uh, – the, um, not the Texans, the other team from Texas had in the 90s. Um, about, uh, you know, with all the stars that they had and all the mm-hmm. free agents they were able to bring in, they were a big money team every every which way you sliced it. And a lot of that came with the personalities that they had, right? Um, and it was, it was, it worked when it worked. And then when it didn't, it really didn't. And it was combustible. So I think that's the, the, that's the book on the Steelers right now, right? While they're winning, I mean, there's a correlation between them losing and AB saying stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. There's also a correlation between AB getting paid and uh, um, the way he went about it. He didn't hold out. He didn't do any of that, and the Steelers rewarded him. They gave him a big money deal. Um, you know, so I think that uh, for him to be unhappy now, I think was indicative of a the losing and b um, yeah, I think the locker room starting to kind of turn a little bit, um, whether it's on Tomlin or whether it's on the GM, uh, you know, whatever the case. But uh, yeah. It's it's interesting to see, um, Brian. You're sitting there watching your, your your Browns grow before your eyes, and you're watching <laughs> the Steelers sort of like lose their le- start to lose their legs. Um, you know what a time to be alive, right? <laughs> it's like what I've been dreaming about since 1999. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but yeah, I I'm with you both. I I don't think he'll be a Steeler next year. Yeah. Um, I think he will play the end of the year when he comes back, whether he gets traded or not. I think he'll play with whatever team will play him. He's shown before that he can skip training camp and still lead the league in rushing. So yeah. I actually think he'll come back and he'll be in game shape. And within a game or two, you're going to see the burst. You're going to see the moves. Like yeah. he's going to be Le'Veon Bell. And at the end of the season, he's going to walk. And he's And I honestly, I don't know where he's going to go. But he's going to go to the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think That's he's sure. he's not gonna care what the organization or the system is. If you pay yeah. him, he's gonna go there and he's gonna be like, I'll play football. Yeah. I think it's funny that while I am overall on Le'Veon's side in this whole thing of like, you know, he deserves to be mm-hmm. one of the highest played running backs, uh, uh and, and maybe even players at his at his position. Um you know, or in the league, excuse me, one of the highest paid players we talk about how AB did things and how he got paid, you know, like um, there's that, right. Bell has been suspended. He's held out right. before he's been suspended again. Um, like he's had a bumpy road. He's just been able to come out with some amazing, amazing years and thinking that that's all that the team is going to think about. And that's what you remember. The Steelers are obviously saying like, you haven't been like uh, a model, whatever, like player or representative of the, of the, of the team and of the brand of the franchise, whatever. So we're going to make you sweat this out. And 
apparently the dollar difference, I think, for what they offered and what he wants is, I think, like, I think it's like a four million a year, like, like uptick that he's working for. Um, and it's really just has to do with like him getting that money now, as opposed to trying to get it later. Right. So mm. I don't think there's any chance, especially with how Connor has looked, the Steelers are going to pay him anything more than what they've already offered. If that, maybe mm. the price is even going down on their end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, he's definitely not going to be there. It seems like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to a, a much worse team for the, uh, for the dollar amount and to reset the, the running back market. It'd be interesting to see him in like Houston or something like that in a situation where you put him in a backfield with like a Deshaun Jackson, you know, what they could do in something like that. Or even if he came out to SF, him and Jimmy G when, when Jimmy's healthy, like, yeah. you know, that, that would be a great way for the Niners to uh, ease his injury road back to the, to the field. But the other yeah. is, to your point you made of the two suspensions, like he's one suspension away from missing a whole season. So like that's a big thing when you're thinking about paying a guy, you know, $15, $16 million a year that in one swoop, he might not be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's something they definitely have to consider. And I, I just, I don't think the Steelers organization is going to do that. I don't think they, honestly, I think they're just waiting until they can just sever ties at the end of the year. Yeah. This really sounds like Le'Veon and, you know, must be his agent as well, or just kind of miscalculating all this. Like, yeah, he's a great running back. You know, he just had some amazing seasons, but there's a lot of, lot of risk there too. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he had the amazing seasons in like along with having those suspensions. Like he was doing crazy amounts of work in a 14 game season or a 12 game season or a, depending mm-hmm. on how long he's playing. I mean, there was a year there, I think where he missed the first four games. Right. And he still ended the year with like 65 something catches. Like, if he had played all the whole season, he might have gone for, like, a 1,000 and a 1,000, which hasn't mm-hmm. happened, you know, in a very long time. Um, like, he's that type of dude. So, I think he's just trying to say, like, hey, like, I know what I've done. Whatever can't change that. Like, you guys know what I am. So, like, just help me reset the market. I mean, Gurley just said it, you know, for the most part. But it's just hard to pay that position. It's going to continue to be hard. Um it's just unfortunate compared to what the other elite players at other positions get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Whew, is that an episode? I think, I think, uh, I can't see straight anymore. So I think, I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why do we do this again? Oh yeah. For Craig. That's why we do this. <laughs> Craig needs something else to do while he walks the dog, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, gentlemen, uh, it was good. I'm, I'm happy for you, Brian. We have a bet on this, don't we, Noor? Uh, yeah. They have to get. They have to win seven games or something. Or six and a half is five, the line. Five, four, four, four and a half. What was the line? Six and a half. Don't say four <laughs> and a half. Get out of here. Six and a half is the line. I took the under because I think six and ten is the record for this year. So okay. I'm not, uh, I'm but they not trying to bury. The they have the half. Not trying. Mm-hmm. Not trying to bury you, Brian. But uh, yeah, they already got the half. See. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do have a tough schedule. So yeah, true. it doesn't get any easier. It does uh, not. I, I, I thought of a perfect, perfect way for us to wrap up the show. Can we talk real quick about this left-handed pass that Mahomes threw tonight? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Holy wow. How, is what I said on the, what the hell backyard schoolyard fucking <laughs> shit was that? Holy. Why couldn't he have just thrown it with his right hand? He, he was getting rushed from that side. And oh, he had to get around around. If, the, he, if he tried to cock it back, you think he could feel the, 
there was someone bearing down on him. So oh, okay. he, uh, yeah, switched he just it. Switched hands. chucked it. And kind of pretty, it, right? Threw like, a pretty catchable, you know, toss out yeah, there. Right. Pretty wild. I saw it happen, and I was like, just from the angle, I was like, there's no way he threw that with his right hand and the ball's flipping like that. So what happened? Oh, my God, he threw it with the left hand. Like, I I don't like making these kinds of uh, comparisons or whatever, but I've only seen Favre do that kind of shit. Yeah. We had a guy in high, my high school who had this, led this kind of charmed life. And he was our punter as well as the running back and stuff. But it was one time he, he took the snap and bobbled it or something. And because, like, his steps were off. So instead of pick kicking with his right leg, he just kicked it yeah. with his left leg. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was like a 45-yard punt or something. It was just like, get out of here. That's yeah. That doesn't happen to real people. I know. I feel like Mahomes <laughs> was like that. He's like this, just kind of charmed. He actually he looked, he looked rattled. He looked like he was. I mean, they were putting I mean, well, pressure on him the yeah. first half, almost three quarters of the game, and then he just kind of came to life. He like just pulled it out. It was amazing. Yeah, they had the shot, man. Keenum missed Demarius Thomas down the yeah. sideline. Like, yeah. well, and there was that missed interception too. I mean, there were there were a few yep. plays down at the end that really could have either sealed it or kind of turned it, turned it around, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how it, how it happens. It's still Agreed. 4 now. Agreed. That, that'll be interesting to see those two teams uh, when they come down to the wire the next time they meet. Yeah. The games are, are like that, right? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, hopefully that next matchup with those two is towards the end of the season. And, you know, it, it's a, it's a big game to, to win that division because Case Keenum kind of fits in nicely with that Denver defense. and Yeah, I, I think he was the right fit there. I mean, they still got Von Miller, and they still got a lot of, a lot of guys on defense, even though they lost to Lieb and, and whatnot. But, like, that's, that yeah. Denver defense can still play, and they're, they're built to play deep in the, yeah. in the winter months. So um, yeah. it's interesting to see what, what that team will look like at the end of the year when, you know, they're all on the same page, and Keenum's been there now for almost the full season. But yeah. uh, it, it, anything can happen there. Mm-hmm. That's true. In the words of primetime, Von Miller is a grown man. <laughs> Von Miller's a grown man. And, and they got a grown man next to him now with Bradley Chubb. Oh, I mean, my God. Next to him on the other edge, whatever, wherever he is, that is a dude. My Ooh. God. I couldn't that believe how giant. fast they were getting off the ball. Like, yeah. The whole first half. And they, they switched up their defense in the second half. They started playing the That's, scene where they, they, they yeah. were not rushing. They were keeping Mahomes in front of them. But – yeah. Like it was working. Like, why not keep the pressure on? They said this during the game a couple of times too, and I didn't quite catch it the first time, but I caught it the second time that they did it in terms of seeing the defense do this. And in some really weird situations, they're running man defense when it's like mm-hmm. just run a zone and keep everyone in front of you. Like right. you're letting Mahomes get out of the pocket and, and, and with get, the speed you, that they have, you know, yeah, play right. man against Tyreek Hill. Right. No. no. <laughs> I don't know how you slow, I don't know how you slow that guy down too. I think you have to like, I don't know, pour like wet cement on his shoes or something. I don't know <laughs> yeah, he's, he's amazing. Anyway, they have a lot of weapons. It's going to be, be fun to keep watching them. Yeah. Agreed. Well, thanks, gentlemen. This has been the Slant and Go episode, the Cleveland Wins episode. Oh, yeah. Hey! Yeah! <laughs> we got one in the W column. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And one in the tie okay. column. And one in the tie <laughs> column. <laughs> Just filling all the columns. Yeah. Doing our best. Nice. All right, Chad. Great talking to you guys. Been a pleasure. Yeah, fun.